Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the Jets in action during the start of NHL free agency and whether or not it's cause for concern. All right, how we doing, everybody? Hope you guys have had a great week so far and a great weekend on tap. Hopefully, you guys will have a little more action and excitement than the Winnipeg Jets did to kick off the first 48 hours of free agency a absolutely lavish $800,000 spending spree by Winnipeg. It was, it was a little bit more than that, but you know what? It was kind of same old, same old here in Winnipeg where the Jets didn't really do a whole lot. And after being promised big changes, culture shifts, the biggest offseason in 2.0 history, we didn't get a whole lot of nothing so far. And I, I guess you could say this <laughs> could be a lot worse. You could have a disgusting, despicable display of ineptitude by Chuck Fletcher as he dismantles your once proud organization brick by brick. But we don't have to go there. Just remember, it could be a lot worse. Wake me up when the Carter Bedard draft lottery gets underway. My, my point here is that you know what, sometimes quiet isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world because activity during day one and day two of free agency can lead you to some pretty dark places. But that's kind of what this episode is all about for Winnipeg Jets fans here because it's not necessarily a recap of what the Jets did. It's, it's almost more so what they didn't do and if that's reason for optimism or pessimism for this upcoming season. Because that, I mean, that, that is kind of the the truth of the situation, right? Like just two days into free agency, there's a ton of time before training camp gets started, let alone the regular season. And let's face it, most of the moves made on the opening day or two of free agency are, are usually the ones teams regret the most in, in years to come. And it's the ones that they spend draft picks and prospects and cap space to get out under from. But man, it just stinks. Like, it, it stinks when the Winnipeg Jets put on the invisibility cloak and it's basically 29, 30 other teams making big splashes to kick off the unofficial start to the offseason. And a lot of the teams making moves are coming off much better seasons than what Winnipeg just did. Like, they're not resting on the success of their past season. They're trying to push even higher. Right? Like, it's this isn't supposed to be a run it back type of offseason for Winnipeg after last year's disaster. They should be 
the ones going out there to try to find any possible avenue to make their team better. But I also wonder, too, if if people would be a little bit less upset about the inaction by the Winnipeg Jets through the first 48 hours of free agency if Kevin Chevalier's presser didn't happen during the opening day. Like, I, you know what? You can make a case, and it's probably a pretty strong one, too, that, you know, going the slow play route, taking your time to pounce on big moves as the offseason slows down is, is maybe the most prudent way to go about things. But you can't do that while pretending last year didn't happen in what was, quite frankly, nothing other than a completely delusional media session. I, I hope for Jets Nation's sake that a lot of what was said by the GM was was just general manager speak. Because if that's what the brain trust actually thinks about this team, then the Jets are screwed for this upcoming season. Moves or no moves be damned. That And that to me was the most shocking development out of the start of free agency by the Winnipeg Jets. It wasn't necessarily that they didn't make a splash to kick things off. Because we know the difficulties that go into being the Winnipeg Jets and trying to attract free agents or or trade targets into maybe the most disapproved destination in the entire NHL. I, I get all that. But what I don't get is speaking down to your customer base and your fan base like they've never watched a freaking hockey game in their life. I, that that just bothers the hell out of me. I saw it in Philadelphia, and I was beyond pissed off. I just don't expect that same sort of thing to happen here in Winnipeg, where the fans are extremely smart, for the most part, right? But like to hear Kevin Chevalier step up to the mic and say, in defense of his inactivity on the opening day of free agency, and, and while also doing this with a straight face, that you can judge what Winnipeg's done so far, because last offseason, the Jets acquired Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, and people were starting to engrave their names on the Stanley Cup. I, I still can't believe he actually said that. Because, I mean, first off, it's flat out not true. I don't remember anybody saying there might have been a guy or two picking the Jets as a dark horse Stanley Cup team, but there was nobody that realistically had them right there with the Avalanche and the Lightning, and and some of the other upper echelon teams going into last season. There's just no way. I think I was one of the more optimistic people in saying that the Jets could battle for second or third spot in the Central with the moves that they made, but in no way, shape, or form was I even close to suggesting that they were a Stanley Cup team, even with those moves made last season. So I don't know why Chevy did that. You know, I... (laughs) To me, it just makes it sound like you think your fan base is stupid and they're going to lap up anything you say. I, I just, I really, really disagree when when teams and when management talk like this in front of the media. It doesn't have much of a an impact on what happens on the ice. But hey, man, a lot of this is, is messaging and, and how you go about delivering that message. And I think the Jets framed it in a really really crappy way on Wednesday afternoon. The other scary part of that is, like, do the Jets actually think that they built a Stanley Cup contender last offseason? And and do they still think that right now? Because hearing Chevy talk all Wednesday afternoon, he sure as hell made it sound like 
they really think they've got a great team on their hands right now. And if they don't make any moves, they feel pretty confident that just a change in head coach alone is going to be enough to take this team to the next level. I just can't believe that somebody that's watched this team over the last little while could actually believe that. I mean, the Jets got a change in head coach last year. The head coach quit halfway through the year. And what happened? This team showed absolutely nothing, nothing that would suggest to you that they could figure this out on their own and they're going to find a way to get back to where they were a few seasons ago. It's not even like the Canucks who fired their head coach, right? At least Vancouver can say, hey, we played our asses off down the stretch. We just ran out of games. But, you know, if we do that over the course of a season, we've got at least a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. I could understand if that's how the Jets season ended. But it wasn't with a bang. It was with a big-ass whimper. And they played awful the entirety of the season, essentially. So I just don't get how you could even entertain the notion of bringing back this same group. A group that was pleading and screaming for accountability and tough love all season long. You think that Rick Bonus is going to come in and whip this group into somebody that could win four games out of seven against the Colorado Avalanche? You're kidding me. You're, you're, you're beyond delusional if you think that. And that's been my biggest concern so far this offseason is that the Winnipeg Jets feel like they're not that far away. And they don't need to make a big move or two to get back to where they were when they were a couple games away from a Stanley Cup Finals appearance. And that is just some crazy wishful thinking on their part, if that's the case. There's really two things that concern me here. One would be, you know, what I just spoke about, that the Jets think they're a much better team than they are right now, and just running this back again next year is is going to lead to a different result, which I, I just don't see that being the case. Five years ago is when they made it to the conference finals. Five years is an insanely long time in the National Hockey League, in, in pro sports. And to think that your squad is even close to the talent level that that one had, it's night and day. The Winnipeg Jets are not even close right now to that spot. And quite frankly, they're not as good as the team that stunk up the joint last year. Because they don't have Andrew Kopp anymore for 50 games. They don't have Paul Stastny, who was sneakily one of the better under-the-radar players across the entire league last year. They don't have either one of those guys. And the backup goalie position took a downgrade as well. And there's going to be even more weight, as of now, put on Connor Hellebuck's shoulders. Like, there's that aspect of it that is understandably and justifiably super frightening for Winnipeg Jets fans. But the other thing is, and my other big concern, and this kind of stems from watching the Flyers bumble and trip and throw up all over themselves since July hit the calendar a few days ago, is do we know what the plan is here in Winnipeg? Like, you look around the league, and I would say for for sure two-thirds of the league, maybe more than that, but let's just say two-thirds of the league, you can look at a team 
and within five seconds identify what their plan is in terms of going into next season, right? It doesn't even necessarily have to be a good or a bad thing. But you have a general idea of the direction each franchise is going to go, whether it's a club that's rebuilding and looking to give young players a chance and, you know, grabbing draft picks and assets for the future, whether it's somebody that's going in it to win now, whatever it might be, you can point at a bunch of teams and figure out that's their plan. Are they or are they not executing that plan? I don't know if you can say that for the Winnipeg Jets. And if, if any of you know out there, like enlighten me. I, I would love to know what the Winnipeg Jets plan is right now. Because to me, it seems like they're kind of just paddling a rowboat with only one oar. And they're going in circles. Like they're not blowing they're not blowing this thing up. They're not, you know, rebuilding on the fly, shipping out some of the core pieces and, and try to take a run at this thing again in, in two or three years. Clearly, they're not going to be doing that. But they're also not going all in right now. They're not, you know, giving up draft picks or assets to try to challenge the Colorados and the Edmontons and and some of the other teams atop the Western Conference. They're not even necessarily trying to give their young kids a shot either. Because on the blue line right now, with Brandon Dillon and Nate Schmidt there, there's really no room for three of the club's youngsters, which doesn't even include guys like Chisholm and Kovacevic. There's no room for regular playing time for the majority of the defensive prospects on this team right now. Up front, it's a little different for guys like Cole Perfetti, but what has this organization shown over the past few years for guys like David Gustafson or Jansen Harkins, for example, where you think they're going to get anything more than seven, eight minutes a night when the Jets, you know, in all likelihood, sign a veteran piece to come in and play eight, nine minutes on this team's fourth line this upcoming season. Like, they're not even giving the youth a chance you would think, to try to push this team to a different height. There's no real sense of direction of what the Winnipeg Jets want to be and what they want to do this upcoming season. That, to me, is just as concerning as anything else because at least if a team has a plan, you know what to expect for the most part. You, you, you get a sense of these are the expectations. Let's see if the guys out there can go out there and find a way to get it done. I, I don't know what the Jets are trying to accomplish right now at this point of the offseason. Again, a lot of time left. We could do an episode on Tuesday morning and the captain could be gone. A big name could be brought in. All of that could still be on the table for Winnipeg right now. But look, it's been 11 years now with Kevin Chevaldeoff behind the helm. I've pretty much run out of hope that there's going to be a rabbit pulled out of his hat at this point and we see a much more complete competitive team next year with two, three, four major pieces being brought in. I think I think Jets fans are going to be extremely disappointed with the way this offseason goes, and we'll have to wait and see if if that's shown up with empty seats next year at Canada Life Center. I, I This has been a pretty disheartening start to the offseason for the Winnipeg Jets, and I just... Maybe it's maybe it's the Flyers finally beating the last semblance out of, of hope that I had with that team. But I'm not feeling too optimistic right now, guys, that, that the Jets are going to be able to compete in the Central Division in the Western Conference. And that's a shame, too, because I'll tell you what, the Western Conference sucks going into this season. 
It, it is not the meat grinder that it's been in the past. Look, Colorado is going to be a nightmare. Edmonton's got a pretty damn good squad. But outside of that, question marks all over the place with the rest of the teams in the Western Conference. Half the teams in the conference aren't even trying to win, so we can wipe them away. But this is a, a major opportunity for the Jets to take advantage of a number of different clubs in transition and make a major leap up the standings. And it wouldn't, it's not like the Jets have to go out there and sign Johnny Gaudreau and then trade for, you know, this top pair defenseman and then get this one as well and then do this and then get that, right? Like, it's not like they need to do eight different moves to get there. It's just make an aggressive move to grab a, a high end guy on the back end, find a way to get a few solid contributors on this team's second and or third line. Like, we're talking about two or three moves here, and the Jets really could be in the mix going into the postseason next year. And and who knows, maybe you face Colorado after a deep playoff run, and you catch them on a bad week, and you're able to... You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's the possibility, I think, for a team like the Jets in the West, if they get a little aggressive to put themselves in as good of a spot as you can hope going into next year's playoffs. I don't feel like the Winnipeg Jets are going to do that. And I feel like it's a big-time opportunity missed, especially considering Shifley two years away, Hellebuck two years away, Dubois two years away, Wheeler potentially out the door. Like the, talk, the, the, clock, the, talk, the clock is ticking here for the Jets where you got to, let's face it, You got to shit or get off the pot. Like, make a decision one way or the other and commit to it. And I think you'll find that the fan base, one way or the other, can at least understand that move. And more often than not, they'll stick with their team. But you got to pick a path. Going down the mushy middle is absolute death in today's NHL. And that's where I feel like the Winnipeg Jets are destined to fall in going into 2022-2023. I hope I'm proved wrong, but it's a pretty pessimistic, negative start to this offseason, and I'm not sure it's going to be getting better anytime soon. Now, we'll talk about the one kind of addition, I would say major, but we'll we'll call it an addition. The one addition the Winnipeg Jets made and how it got to that point during free agency, as well as some of the other big moves from across the NHL in just a sec— But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Get a load of this. New customers having a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1K. And if it doesn't win, you still get another shot to cash in. Whether it's baseball, golf, MMA, whatever it might be. Speaking of golf, how about sprinkling a little bit on, oh, I don't know, Colin Morikawa? At St. Andrews, the old course, this upcoming week, just throwing that out there. I would say Tiger, but I'm going to stay away from that. Sentimentally, that's how you lose a bunch of money, and I've already done enough of that. But DraftKings Sportsbook is going to make sure they got you covered with some good odds. And of course, this major, major deal they have on tap for you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars that's promo code thpn only at DraftKings sportsbook minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details 
So the one notable move made to the Winnipeg Jets roster from last season to this one is a new backup goalie is in town. Eric Comrie gets a chance at a starting gig out in Buffalo on a two-year deal. Good for the kids. Super happy for him. The Winnipeg Jets, meanwhile, watching a number of other veteran backups pick spots elsewhere, land on, let's face it, a beauty of a nickname. But Big Save Dave comes to Winnipeg. And Dave Riddich will back up Connor Hellebuck going into next season. Now, look, if you look at the numbers from last season to this year, it's a major downgrade by the numbers, by a save percentage for the Jets. Comrie's 920 to Riddich's 8-some-odd. If it starts with an 8, it almost doesn't even matter. 920 to 8-something. Look, that's, that's a downgrade. I'm not even necessarily going to ding the Jets on giving the reins to the backup spot to somebody like David Riddich, because let's face it, the team did the same thing last year with Eric Comrie. There, there were so many question marks that Comrie would not be the guy, yet he found a way to deliver a truly impressive season. I can understand giving the benefit of the doubt to somebody like Riddich that he'll refine his form. And let's face it, he was an all-star a few seasons ago. The guy does have talent, it's just going to be Kenny rediscover that here at Winnipeg. So that's not even necessarily the the part that kind of bums me out about this whole backup goalie situation. It's more so that the Winnipeg Jets completely bungled the backup goalie position going back to next season to even put themselves in the difficult spot that they found themselves in. Because Eric Comrie needed just 90 more minutes of ice time so a game and a half of ice time. If Eric Comrie was given that to close out the season last year, he would have been an RFA under team control instead of a UFA with the right to pick and choose any spot that he wanted to be in. 90 minutes short of becoming an RFA. Need I remind you that the Winnipeg Jets finished, let's see here, Eight freaking points out of a playoff spot. Eight points out of a playoff spot. And management and coaching at the time didn't have the foresight to give what was arguably one of the best stories of the team this past season two more starts. I mean, the Jets had like a 20% chance of making the playoffs after the All-Star break last year. You couldn't give the guy, the kid with a 920 save percentage Two more freaking starts? That, to me, is what Jets fans should be upset about. Not the signing of David Riddich, who may or may not be good this upcoming season, but the fact that management just completely whiffed on it. It's a Bush League move. Two more games. Two more games, that's it. Two more games. And the Jets would have had a cheap, team-controlled, cost-effective backup for at least one more season. It's... It's inexcusable. It's a it's an absolute brutal blunder by Chevy and company or by Dave Lowry, whoever's in charge there. That that can't that can't be allowed to happen. And we'll see if it ultimately hurts the Winnipeg Jets here this upcoming season. The crappy part too about it is that you invest all this time, a high draft pick on Eric Comrie, who's one of the nicest kids you could ever imagine, and you basically force him to walk out the door. It's it's really Poor management. It, it's a it's a bad job by the Winnipeg Jets there. It's just the backup goalie, sure. 
but it kind of speaks to the overarching problems of this organization right now is that they kind of do this to themselves at some point. And that's another thing too. This and and this is what really has me feeling pessimistic about the rest of this offseason for the Jets. Does it not feel like there's a major lack of creativity with this team when it comes to personnel moves? Like that having the foresight to realize that we need to get our backup goalie a little more time so that we've got that position solidified going into next season. That's an example of that there. But what's always ticked me off about how the Jets go about their offseason plans is that it's excuse after excuse after excuse. Right? Like we we know we all know the story here in Winnipeg. It's tough to attract free agents. It's tough to get players to waive their no trade clauses. It's tough to do this and this and this. Well, guess what? Who cares? Like, there's more than one way to build a team. And while you might not be able to get the Johnny Gaudreau's of the world and, you know, name your high, like, name your top five free agents in each free agent class year after year, while the Jets may not be able to get those guys, why can't they get somebody for three, four million dollars? Why can't they make a move for a savvy under-the-radar signing? Why can't they go after one of the RFAs that weren't qualified and find a way to get them signed to a contract? Why can't they, instead of trying to go after guys with no trade clauses, go after one of the, oh, I don't know, 500 freaking players in the NHL that don't have one? Last time I checked, guys on ELCs, RFAs that haven't signed long-term deals, they don't have no trade clauses. You're, you're allowed to make moves for those guys. Jacob Chikrin doesn't have a no trade clause. The Winnipeg Jets have the assets to make a move like that work if you want to transform your blue line. Yet, there's comfort in stability and the devil you know, it seems like, here in Winnipeg. And I, I just I feel like this is the opportunity for the club to, to step out of their comfort zone and attack. Like, go out and be aggressive. Caroline is a great example. And we'll get to our winners and losers of the first few days of free agency here. Well, I mean, we might as well do it now. We'll get into the winners first and then the losers right after that. But to me, Carolina was the the unquestioned winner of the early part of the offseason. There, there's just no other way about it. To basically give up no assets of note and acquire Brent Burns on a retained salary deal and then swoop in and literally grab Max Pacioretty from the Vegas Golden Knights for nothing, that is some savvy GMing. That That's how you take advantage of situations across the NHL to better your team. It's moves like that that the Winnipeg Jets should be aggressive on finding a way to pull off. Get creative in trying to get high-end talent to come here. It's not like Carolina's this extremely popular destination it was basically a trash can on the side of the road for five six seven eight years but you know management comes in there and they do things a little bit differently and they've got a team that's going into the second third round of the playoffs each of the past three four years that uh, making moves like that is what the Winnipeg Jets should be focusing on try to be like Carolina Instead of trying to be like the other 27-28 teams. Love to see that from Chevy. Take a page out of Don Waddell and Eric Tulsi's playbook out there. And go after guys that are off the radar, off the beaten path a little bit.
My other winners of free agency are actually all out there in the Eastern Conference. A pretty big, pretty big first few days for the East, which just gets more and more of a bloodbath as the offseason rolls along. I love what Washington did. Some real savvy moves by the Capitals. Darcy Kemper, to me, signs on a bit of a sweetheart deal. I know he had an up-and-down playoffs. He also had a a busted-up eye, which I have to imagine as a goalie makes goaltending pretty difficult if you can't see out of one of your eyes. But the dude's been a pretty elite goalie over the last four or five years, and he signs for just a shade over $5 million. I love that deal to solidify the goaltending in Washington. Getting Dylan Strome for just... $3.5 million is a super, super savvy get as well. Give a guy like that a chance with some skilled players, and then maybe the Capitals can find a way to to get some pretty pretty solid value out of him. It was a pretty tidy bit of work for the Capitals as they try to make one more push here, and I feel a lot better about their chances this season, even though they're a year older, than I did going back to the start of last season. So some nice work. By Brian McClellan out there in D.C. And I always think it's cool when a team that's been at the bottom for so long finally says enough's enough. Let's try to get back into this. I I love what Ottawa's done so far also. You make the big move of the draft for Alex Dabrinkat. You swindle Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs in giving him Matt Murray. And you arguably, you know, you shed some salary and get even better at goaltending next year with a Talbot-Forsberg combo there. And then you add the hometown boy, Claude Giroux, to fortify a really explosive offensive group there. They're one more, one or two solid defensemen away from being kind of a sleeper playoff team. Like a, a team that can make some noise in the postseason next year. I, I love, 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 love what the Ottawa Senators did in this offseason so far. And those are my three big time winners of the first few days of free agency here. The losers, three winners, one loser. Because one loser team did more than enough damage than three teams could possibly even dream of. And that would be, of course, the Philadelphia Flyers. They're dead to me. I don't care. I don't want to watch them anymore. I don't want to hear anything about them anymore. This is, in my opinion, this is beyond Shirelli levels of incompetence. This, I, I think Chuck Fletcher is Mike Milbury 2.0. Like, this is Mike Milbury of the 2020s. I'm just, I'm blown away by the absolute clown show that we've seen in Philadelphia over the past 10 days or so. He's just, he's completely destroyed the team. And he's destroyed, he's destroyed the last shred of optimism that fan base has had as well. And, you know, picture this also. It, it you could make the case that, it might have been foolish to sign Johnny Gaudreau to a long-term deal because it wouldn't necessarily push the Flyers into no doubt about a contender status. But when you're a team that needs high-end talent and the hometown boy is basically begging you to sign him to a deal and he'll do whatever it takes to join you, you find a way to make it happen. Like, imagine... Imagine if Jonathan Taves at 27-28 hit the open market and was begging the Winnipeg Jets to sign him to a long-term deal. There would be a freaking riot for weeks if the Winnipeg Jets didn't find a way to get that done. That's what Chuck Fletcher's incompetence has led the Philadelphia Flyers toward 
I mean, the only good news out of this past week is that I'm going to be saving 200 bucks on not buying center ice this upcoming season. I got my Winnipeg Jets package with TSN3. I'll be good to go. That's about it. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks for that. Save a couple hundred bucks. That's cool. God, I hate the Flyers so much. I hate to end an episode on a note like that. The ultimate downer. But again, while some of you are lamenting Chevy's inactivity, at least he didn't set the franchise back eight years. There's a small victory for you headed into the weekend. And that's where we'll cap off the episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again. We'll get back at it to kick off next week on Tuesday morning, hopefully breaking down a move or two made by the Winnipeg Jets. It's quiet, almost too quiet on the Blake Wheeler trade front, isn't it? Maybe Brendan Dillon too. We'll see if either one of those gets moved by the Winnipeg Jets or if they dip their toes into one of the few impactful free agents that are left out there we'll, we'll, we'll see if the jets do anything and if they don't we'll talk about it as well it just makes my life a little bit harder but we'll do that when we get back to action after the weekend here in the meantime once again thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of skates and plates right here on the hockey podcast network enjoy your weekend stay safe and have a great time everybody we'll get back to it on tuesday morning until then Peace.